That's another fucked up thing. Like I'm 27 years old. I was born in 1993 and I still think the year 2000 was 10 years ago. <laughs> I prefer to 1980 being 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's. that's like a better one. But like that's how I think of it. I'm like 1980, yeah, 20 years ago. It's like Jackson, you were 7. I have a really 2000. dumb tweet saved in my drafts which for 2023 because the 2023 will be as far removed from 2004 as oh god don't do this oh you're, you're gonna hate this so much yeah as when sr 71 released 1985 and 2004 so it's gonna be oh. the same age gap yeah yeah it's good same sorry i i thought you i thought this was gonna be about the plane <laughs> wait, wait 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 a minute uh i think that's bowling for soup you're talking about elliot okay or are bowling we... for soup did cover it and they have the more famous cover oh i didn't realize that that's and oh, the wow. and the singer of Bowling for Soup produced the SR seventy one song. Oh wow, that's crazy! Well, today this I is learned. a deep Bowling for Soup fact that I know for some bizarre insane I'm, reason. I'm genuinely shocked that you just like out pop punk knowledge punk knowledge to me. That's amazing. Um, that's that's genuinely shocking because uh, I definitely I I would have guessed that if there's some bizarre like minutia about uh, like B or C tier pop punk band from the early two thousands, <laughs> that it would be more likely for me to know about it than either of you. But um, I'm also pretty sure the SR 71's like version sounds like exactly the same. <laughs> oh yeah, it probably does. Anyways, speaking of um, B tier uh, pop punk bands from the early two thousands. Um, speaking of planes, I can, uh, fly really high up in the sky. Uh, uh, <laughs> what? SR seventy one. Come yeah, on. I know. I was. Trying, I, I <laughs> Did really you, like half. We we know what it. you're saying. We just don't know what you're segueing to. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to make it be about the Canucks. <laughs> you know <laughs> the, that the point of a segue is supposed to be to transition from one topic to another and not just say a thing and then, i was transitioning uh, from music to aerospace so what do you what do you have to say about aerospace uh i really liked the episode of the simpsons that they were on i think it was the flaming Moe's episode that was really good <laughs> that's, good. that's good yeah okay um <laughs> no that's good yeah so anyways um i guess we could do speaking of b or c tier pop punk bands jackson's link funny to tell us about yeah, that's what uh -huh. I was fucking trying to do before <laughs> Vias ruined it. What would have been a perfect segue. Yeah, you guys wanted me to tell my gob story. <laughs> I would love to hear your gob story, Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is this is like a while ago now, but it, I think what, what prompted it was just I told you guys the story because I referred to it as like the most dudes rock thing that I've ever done in my entire life. Mm -hmm. um, and so the thing you have to realize is that Rachel and I are we're like a total power couple in so many ways. We complement each other very well. She's very good at um, organizing and uh, sort of like minutiae managerial kind of tasks, but she's not very good. Like she's not very comfortable, I should say, socially, and she hates conflict. So like you can see the the mirror image there like yep. quite well, like we make a good team in that sense. But on the other hand, uh, we're also a person with ADHD and a person with depression. Um, so 
keeping things orderly around the house can be a bit of an issue uh, on my end because uh, my brain doesn't work and I uh, will forget about something. I basically just don't have object permanence. Um, and then we all die one. We all die someday, Jackson. It's true. Yeah. And then yeah. Um, on Rachel's end, it's just like, you know, you have a bad week or whatever. And, uh, and you don't want to do anything cause you're depressed. And then mm-hmm. a small thing piles up into a bunch of things. So um, ever since I got on my, antidepressants i've been like a lot better at just being like oh there's um a dirty like dish i should just go put it away like i my brain works a lot better with stuff like that i'm actually noticing stuff like that so i'm trying to like do a better job of like keeping the house tidy or whatever so anyways the other day i was doing like a quick power clean of the house and I just went through every room and just picked up all the laundry. Sorry. I just imagine you taking a pressure washer to your bed. <laughs> That's, that is funny. That's a funny image. That's it. Now that would actually be a very strong dude's rock moment. That would, yeah. Um, so I'm like going, going around in every room in the house, like picking up laundry or whatever. And uh, while Rachel is in the shower, I just snatched the towel the I actually think it was on the floor. In fairness, I don't think it was on the um, towel rack, but regardless, not important. Um, and you know, I toss it all in the washer, and I'm like, okay, I'll turn this on when she gets out of the shower or whatever. So then I sit down, and um, basically, Rachel is calling out to me to give her a towel because I just took a towel from her, but I don't give her a towel. Because I, I am sitting down and listening to uh, the song No Regrets by Gob <laughs> so loud. Which makes on... sense because you didn't hear her calling. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, I'm listening to uh, No Regrets by Gob so loud on my phone speaker <laughs> that I don't hear oh, her asking no. for a towel. So she, she was calling me for like like a like a couple minutes um and well, the great Elliot, thing how long have you been waiting on that one that, one's so that one just occurred to me wow um, what and, i've been and, waiting on was like the follow-up question of like why would you take the towel out of the bathroom if someone's in the shower but i think the adhd thing kind of explains that all right folks welcome to another episode of roxy fever i'm your host jackson mcdonald with me as always hey guys it's viastran and Elliot hoyt how are we feeling this week boys i'm pretty good how about you guys not bad, you know. So I would like to announce, but now, forever and for always, I can now announce myself on this podcast, on other hockey podcasts, potentially on the CBC hot stove, you know, one day, <laughs> as somebody who has, quote, laced them up, unquote. Uh, I bought skates a couple weeks ago. Um, I have never known how to ice skate. I know how to sprint on skates once in a while using rec center uh, skates. Uh, that goes badly when I realize I know I, I, I don't know how to stop. Um, but now I own some. I'm very excited for it. I've been taking like two or three lessons uh, with a friend. And I even tied them myself today for the first time. So eat shit, you guys. Um, I can play. I'm a nice hockey player. Or, okay, well, <laughs> fuck. we'll get there. 
we'll get there. I'll figure out some stick and puck uh, options later. But I have long had a dream to be a beer league player. Um, and I'm so excited. I'm almost, I'm, uh, I'm so much closer to that reality now. Have you guys ever played before? Uh, ice hockey? Yeah. So no. weirdly enough, like I, I've played, I can skate and I've played hockey, but never both at the same time. <laughs> that's, mm. that's my answer. Coordinate, it's the coordination, right? Uh, well, no, I just never, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, no. Okay. Like fair enough. But, um, the he saw that Hooglander goal or assist when he was face down on the ice. And he was like, I'm just going to play like that. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I just, uh, my parents just didn't want me to play hockey for like injury reasons. Um, but I, I did uh, skating lessons right up until the point where like the only direction to go in is to do uh, figure skating and that mm. stopped. But like, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know if I, it's been a while since I've skated, but like, I figure if you gave me like a week to get used to it again, I would actually be like pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, pretty good, like being a relative sense. Like I wouldn't be good compared to like athletes, but I would yeah. be good compared to regular people. <laughs> I yeah. can stop. I can skate backwards. Like, uh, you know, so there's Ooh. that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I only ever played uh, floor hockey and we got banned. Mm. From the, we got banned from the league for gooning it up too much. So <laughs> Sorry, that is that's really true. That's a real story. <laughs> Sorry, that, that, that word, I was about to have another aside, but the word gooning um, to me, I, I've come to one of my roommates uh, found the subreddit called uh, gooning or being a gooner, something yeah. to do with that. Yeah. Anyways, it, it turns out it's like long edging. Yeah, uh, I've heard that. I heard didn't want to reveal that I knew that. <laughs> so but the word has been absolutely ruined for me. Yeah, last fair. Couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to say is that, so yeah, I've always played floor hockey all my life or ball hockey when the, when all the rinks at most of the arenas would be, uh, well, melted. Yeah. So the concrete underneath. Uh, massive respect for Alex Burroughs, uh, greatest ball hockey player in the world. And also, <laughs> it's like harder <laughs> because you can't glide. So there's so much more room to cover. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. But I, I forget that I had an early, uh, I hate calling myself an organizer because I'm not, I don't feel like I have, but I know yeah, other totally. people, to, I'd, I'd probably be one at other people's standards. But I forget that my earliest form of political organizing, it was in grade seven at Dogwood Elementary School, <laughs> where I got mad that we never got to play floor hockey in gym class. And I was like, we had all the equipment. We had all this ridiculous sticks and the nets but like they never we never ever got to play and i had just became a huge hockey fan at the time i think like the blues series uh 2003 was when i got into it but i you, you unionized st- your gym class and <laughs> your demands were based around playing floor hockey is that what well you, you see instead of trying to get a seat at the table we made our own table jackson <laughs> yeah, <okay>. uh, <laughs> so the lunch hour i i set up the dogwood hockey league and i got the school oh, to works. let me have the gym during lunch because nobody was using it in elementary school uh <laughs> anyways and so we set up this like fucking sick floor hockey league it was like all me and i like printed out the logo that's and, like dope. i photoshopped the logo to say UHL instead of nhl we have really highly involved intramural floor hockey in elementary school like huh. i mean i played it for a few of the years but my problem was that i never could remember um literally anybody else's name 
So I'd have to like change and be like, I don't know who the fuck this person is. They're not in my class. Why would I know their name? I played on an intramural uh, floor hockey team with Faber when I was oh, that's awesome. And oh, uh, yeah. he'll be able to corroborate this. Uh, I didn't know how to play hockey. So my job, they put me on defense and my job was just if the puck came into the defensive zone because there's no like it's there's no icing my job was just to clear it <laughs> so that was my, my entire job was like be the be like the fifth man and just like wait for the puck to not be in the offensive zone anymore and then just run and grab it and fucking clear it into the offensive <laughs> zone. <laughs> that's all i did and uh and and there was a game where uh like it was like the end of the year or something i can't even remember what the context was but they're like the good players on the team. Their goal was like, let's set everyone up on the team for a goal. And I just was not having it because <laughs> I was like too nervous. <laughs> I feel like people would not, I was not the kind of child that I feel like people would have expected. Yeah, me. You grow into it. <laughs> um, we definitely played also a lot of hand hockey, uh, yeah. like on the gravel or not gravel, but on the concrete and like all of our shoes would get ruined. And do they make carbon fiber hand hockey sticks now? Have you seen these? No. I'm like, I'm gonna get one one day. Anyway, that's how I am. Yeah. How are you, Jackson? Uh, I'm yeah, I'm fine. Uh, I'm not. Do, I'm not enjoying the fact that the Canucks have just won three in a row. This is not the time of the year where they need to be winning three in a row against the two best teams in the division, arguably. Just for reference, for context. Here. Wow, Jackson doesn't want the Canucks to be winning games late in the season. Not when they suck, and they're not going to make the, the playoffs. Um, for context, it's uh, March 9th. It's the evening of March 9th. Uh, the Canucks have just rattled off three wins in a row against two against the Toronto Maple Leafs and one against the Montreal Canadiens. So we don't know the outcome of the 8 p.m. game that will be on tomorrow night. But um, yeah, the timing of it is very funny because I feel like the mood in the market is still overwhelmingly negative. But for me, my biggest observation over the past week is just that um, I understand why everyone hates the Leafs now, finally, which I know is probably a weird thing to say, but like these days, basically like the only people I interact with hockey wise are just like other people I know from Twitter. So I forget sometimes what it's actually like out there. And my usual relationship with the Leafs, a couple people that I follow and I like Lawrence Gilman and I like the way that they play and their like play style or whatever. And I don't think about them very much. You know, that's my relationship with the Leafs. Um, but then you watch the same game as a bunch of Leafs fans on Twitter and see what their <laughs> observations are about it. And you're like, Oh, this is the worst fan base in maybe all of sports. Um, <laughs> because like I, um, I really don't want to cape for for Jim Houston that much. Like, obviously, obviously, out here on the West Coast, we're a bit biased because he was our guy for a long time. But I saw multiple Leafs fans the other night, literally complaining that Jim Houston doesn't get sufficiently excited when the Leafs score a goal, and they didn't score that many goals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's that. Score a game-winning goal, and then we'll talk. Yeah, like. and second of all, like it's that's not what the national play-by-play guy's job is. Like, 
the apparently these people are all used to Joe Bowen, um, who is not a guy I'm super familiar with. But I looked him up because I wanted like context for like, why do Leafs fans hate Jim Houston so much? He is to me like the platonic ideal of just a normal play by play guy. Mm-hmm. Right? I think he's, and quite- he's so good that like we yeah. really liked him when he and, was like, our guy. I have yeah. a soft spot for him because he did the call during the Athens 2004 Olympics when like Adam Van Coverden won Olympic gold, which. I mean, now there's a lot more backstory that I have where that's less important to me, but like that was a pretty big sports moment for me as a kid. Sure. Mm. Yeah. So he's like permanently linked to that for me. So it's like, I don't think you guys can be disrespecting him like this. Well, yeah. And he also did. um, I'm sorry, but the, uh, the better of the two calls of the Alex Burroughs goal. And uh, the only reason that the dragon slayer call is uh, more iconic in this market is because Sportsnet has the rights to it. Um, that's the reason why people are like, oh, that classic hot take. Call. Oh, it's a, it is a hot take. But for real, it's a beautiful day for an exorcism to me is way more yeah. memorable than he Alex Burroughs started, had so uh, many chances to finish it. Yeah. And in sudden death, over, like, yeah, absolutely. That is um, a very good one. And he, uh, it was also, if you watched that game on TV, the call you heard when you watched it, you did not hear the short house call because that was on the radio. Uh, so obviously I'm biased or whatever, but like I listened to, I listened back at, to like the most classic Joe Bowen calls or whatever. There was like a, a compilation on YouTube and like, look real quick. Has any, have any of you heard of this guy before? Cause I've never heard of him. So Jackson, yeah, no, you he's haven't? apparently called 3000 games for, for Maple Leafs. Like apparently <laughs> he's never heard around, his name before. Apparently he's been around forever. He's their guy. Like he's their John Shorthouse or whatever. Gross. And I don't want to, um, I don't want to shit on like people's local guy because like we love John Garrett, right? Yep. There's also a yeah. reason why John Garrett doesn't call national games or doesn't i know he doesn't call games but why he's not a color commentator on national games because he's john garrett like his whole thing they don't have safeway in toronto i don't know (laughs) he's he's a canucks homer he's a canucks homer and and when you are on your local broadcast that's great that's fine if it's one of these fucks from calgary and edmonton look they they sound like shit. I hate I hate watching games and we have to listen to yeah. their feeds. Yeah. Um yeah. and 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 that's nor and that's what I'm getting at is like that's normal. It's normal to like your local guy and like other guys less and um and I get that and so my criticism is is like you can't get mad at a national guy for not being a local guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And specifically, this is like a Toronto thing because it's like they expect the national broadcast to be their local broadcast. Absolutely. And I uh, like, for example, like it basically is I don't love Dave Randorf by any means. But like Mm -hmm. when he doesn't get sufficiently excited about the Canucks scoring a goal, I don't get upset. I'm just like I don't get the reason I don't like Dave Randorf is and it's not even that I don't like him. It's just like he just does nothing for me. Like I don't think about him like he I've never thought about I've never been like, wow, that was a great call by Dave Randorf. You know what I mean? That's yeah. just not whereas I can I can say that about other guys or whatever. But I, I went back and listened to um, Joe Bo like uh, the best Joe Bowen calls or whatever. And you guys were saying you don't know who Joe Bowen is or whatever, but you do. He's the holy Mackinac guy. That's oh. who Joe Bowen is. And like, could you imagine watching a national broadcast where Austin Matthews scores a like 
uh, the fucking first goal of the game, like 10 minutes in, in a no stakes game against the shit Vancouver Canucks team. That's not going to make the playoffs and went, Holy Mackinac! It would be fucking stupid. Leafs fans are such babies. I don't know why this made me so angry, but it's just like, I, 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 I implore you. If you're a listener of our show and you're a Leafs fan, please just for your, for your own sanity, get into another team casually because you have no idea what hockey even is because you're so used to everything just being about you and your team. Um, It's completely fucking ridiculous to want your national broadcaster to be a homer. You are not, you don't dislike Jim Houston because he hates the Leafs. You dislike Jim Houston because you are so used to everyone in your sphere being completely focused on the Leafs and in love with the Leafs and obsessed with the Leafs on such a constant basis that you mistake knowing about other teams and caring about other teams for hating your home team. I really miss the old, like early two thousands, early memes of people hating the Leafs. Do you guys remember these? Like there used to be a website that would literally just sell t-shirts called Leafs suck. And that was like the funniest thing in in the hockey internet. Like that was, that was comedic genius. Um, And so were all those like radio songs that people would, would make uh, about how much the Leafs suck. And like, ah, One day, I just want to return to all those radio songs. The day that we find the Johan Hedberg song. Absolutely, yeah. God. I do remember, like, um, you know, I do remember there being a lot of, like, sort of low-effort dad jokes about the Leafs when I was a kid. Um, Oh, yeah. Still the... uh, Just, like, the official first day of spring in Canada is when the Leafs are mathematically limited for the playoffs or whatever. Yeah, totally. And this is why, like, I never talk about this stuff, because it's boring and it's hard to have new takes on like why the Leafs are annoying, which is why if anything, I usually tend to go in the other direction, but like every once in a while, something like Leafs fan psychology will like permeate into my corner of the internet. And I'll just be like, Oh my God, no wonder everybody hates this team so much. Their fans are so fucking annoying. And, and I think the thing with, with this Jim Houston thing that bothered me so much specifically about Leafs fans was just like the way that, Houston just didn't do anything that warranted any criticism. And it's just like, nah, he's not excited enough. Grow up. Fuck. <laughs> Anyways, um, that's way, that's way too long on the intro of the episode. I'm probably going to have to cut some, cut some <laughs> stuff out of that because the main reason we have convened today uh, is to basically just break down this Jim Benning uh, press conference from the middle of the week that got a lot of traction within the market because it's the first time that Jim has spoken or really anybody other than Travis from the organization has spoken to the media in months. Um, so did h- how much knowledge of the actual press conference itself are you guys going into the segment with? I guess I'll ask. Like I've heard the quick little summaries. I've seen some of the clips from on Twitter, but I haven't watched the whole thing and I haven't really read anything too in depth. I have found the strange love for Jim Benning's soft meandering voice. Um, <laughs> Fair. It's like ASMR at this point. I may consider going to sleep to listen to this press conference. It's about 40 minutes. Like it's, yep. it's about Fair. how long it takes for me to really doze off. The guy, the man looks like, the man looks like shit in this press <laughs> conference. No, no eye cream, no facial cleanser. Uh, <laughs> half his face is red. 
Um, like the pet shoes look the, like a fam. Shoes, ugh, he's lucky we can't see the shoes. Uh, where's the shirt what from? Are, okay, uh, hold on. Johnson's rack, Payless. I gotta say, they don't even. What do shirts. you guys think the chances are that Jim Benning showed up to that press conference in white runners? Hmm. <laughs> I've never seen a photo of this man's feet. What if Jim Benning's like six foot three? He's not. He's five ten. Oh. I know he is. <laughs> he's five ten. Okay. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> and anyways, yeah, he looks like shit. I think the timing, I like. I, I guess you got to do timing. The timing was comically bad. Yeah, like right after. He does like this a- press conference, which is basically like, so Jim, the the team sucks. Why is this your fault? And then they win three games in a row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I he really should have uh, just he should have waited until that two goal Jake for Tannen game <laughs> to to do his press conference because man. I was uh, I was thinking I was thinking about it as I was watching it. Like, I it's so criminal that we didn't get a Brandon Sutter hat trick and a Jake Vertanen hat trick in the same year. Uh, so uh, there's still yet. time. There's there is still time. time Do not see those um, words. But I, I did. I t- I just actually just before we started recording, watched the entire presser and took notes. So um, more like the D press. Sorry. Don't, um, don't listen to me. <laughs> I, I won't. Um, the first thing that I want to make a note of is I think the, the very first question he got was basically, I mean, every question he got in this press conference, almost aside from like very specific, like, what are you going to do about the trade deadline? Or like, what are you going to do about contracts was basically, Hey, Jim, the team is really bad. What do you have to say about that? <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, the first, the very first thing he did was to blame the schedule, which honestly, like, I do think he kind of has a point there. Um, the Canucks had the hardest start in the league, but then the rest of the way they have the easiest schedule. Yes, absolutely. But two observations about that. The first is that, like, you, you know, because he also he also later on in the press conference talked about like the format as being also perhaps a reason why they uh, haven't been performing particularly well, having to play teams multiple times in a row. And to that, I would just say like, if you're going to blame the format or the schedule's unfavorability for how the team has struggled early in the year, then you have to also admit that the like postseason format was extremely favorable to them. And the format is the same for every team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's 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 obvious. Um, like the Canucks schedule is materially different than every other team's schedule, but the format is the same for every single team. Yeah, exactly. And I will also add that teams are actually allowed to have an input into the schedule. And something that Gillis famously took advantage of. Yeah, he would he would lobby the league for like he'd take a look at proposed schedules and lobby the league. Gills wouldn't just lobby; he'd be willing to get suspended and fined for sticking <laughs> up for the team. Yeah, like, and Gil- Gillis was like, "I am the lawyer of this team, my client. I will fight tooth and nail for them." And and he took he took hit like fl- fire for that, but like absolutely, uh, he did his job, and and the market loved it. I mean, sometimes the market wouldn't like it when certain things would kind of yeah. fall flat, like maybe offer sheets uh, just in general uh, sometimes, but G- Gillis, the guy with only one NHL 2010 phone or Blackberry <laughs> or whatever, like yeah. he, he takes things every, everything one at a time, which we'll talk about very soon again. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, you can lobby, you can lobby the league. Like you're supposed to be friends with the league to figure this stuff out in Vancouver. If anything is the one team, one team, maybe also, I don't know, Dallas, uh, Colorado, sure. maybe who has the, an amazing argument for why you should be nice to us scheduling wise. Yes, uh, absolutely. We live really far away. You touched on a really interesting thing there because obviously like Gillis versus Benning is fucking back in the discourse again. Uh, and I think honestly, we should probably just do an episode on that topic, maybe during the off season or something like Mike Gillis deserves his own episode, I guess is what I'm getting at. Um, it would be very, very interesting to, to talk about him at length sometime, but I don't want to do it today, but would there one, be a good guess for that. <laughs> but yeah, the, I think there's a lot of reasons why the Gillis versus Benning stuff comes up. You have like very pro analytics versus very anti analytics, you know, old boys club or whatever versus outsider. But I, the thing that you touched on Vias that I thought was interesting. That Gillis is hot. No, that with what you just said, um, oh. which because of all the edits I've had to make w- w- in real time was like 10 minutes ago, but in, for the listeners only happened about 30 seconds ago, um, is that Gillis tried and it seems like Jim Benning doesn't. If I had to really speculate as to why people always contrast Mike Gillis with Jim Benning and like what it is that bothers them about Jim Benning that they liked about Mike Gillis. It's, it's actually based a lot more on like narratives and vibes than a lot of people would be willing to admit, but it's just like, it's culture war Mike Gillis. Yeah. I mean, kind of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But Mike Gillis, like yeah. you were always under the impression that he was always trying very, very hard to get the team to win. And with Jim Benning, it's like, it often just feels like, what are you doing? Do you care? Like, do you want mm-hmm. the team to win? Like, what are you trying to do? Like, I, I, I do think that uh, there's a lot of things that people could point to. Like, there, there's a long list of people, things that people could point to about what Gillis did, like ways that sometimes he showed his ass. Uh, Absolutely. But I think, I mean, I'm kind of relating it to my current job search right now. Sure, yeah. That, you know, I've caught a lot of L's in that, but, and it feels, every time it happens, it feels like a punch to the gut. However, I'm throwing a lot of punches too. And Gillis puts his head up a lot more than Benning does. And naturally, like when you are willing to get into the mud, uh, you're going to get a little bit messy and some bad things are going to happen once in a while. Uh, Sometimes you're going to have an offer sheet fail. Sometimes you're going to have a trade uh, attempt you do. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you, (laughs) maybe you, it excellently comes out that you tampered. Uh, Like a lot of little things like this. Well, I mean, Benny stuck his neck out there to get a tampering charge from on what was it, Subban and someone else. I was gonna say that the the significant difference here is that when Mike Gillis gets fined for tampering, it's because he was tampering. When Jim <laughs> Benning gets fired fire fined for tampering, it's because someone asked him, Hey Jim, do you want to trade for PK Subban? And he's like, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um and you know it's 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 always so frustrating because I just feel like the the this ground has been trod so many times, but like they're two figures who very starkly contrast with one another. Um, so uh, another thing that uh, that relates to to this is he he also mentioned that uh, the division is tough to play in. Uh, and one of the things that he cited was that if you look at top ten scoring in the league, 
there's a bunch of players from the North division, but the problem with that is that like, okay, yeah. So maybe that means that the North division is really good and they have really good offensive players, or maybe it means that no team in the North division knows how to play defense or has a good Mm -hmm. goalie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) While we're, while we're just on the topic of like sort of excuses or whatever, um, I do not think it's a very good sign when someone asks you if you can make the playoffs or if you believe you can make the playoffs and the first words out of your mouth are, well, you know, we take it day by day. Yeah. It sounds, it's, it sounds like you have cancer. I'm sorry. Like, or it sounds like you're a disease team. <laughs> so obviously there's a ton of reasons why, like, like if Jim Benning never talked to the media and all we had was just like his list of moves or whatever, he yeah. would take a lot of shit. Right. Like, obviously, he would take a lot of shit, but like how much of the lack of confidence in Jim Benning in this market from kind of like day one, honestly, just stems from the fact that he like can't talk. And I I don't even mean that as like I'm not even trying to be mean. It's just like, do you think that this regime would be seen better if they had like a really great communicator as a GM instead of Jim Benning. Like 100%. I, I think that he would have had an even stronger cult of people around him. I don't think it's a cult, but I mean, we, we see an amount of people who are still loyal to Benning and we get surprised by it. I don't think it's that many people in the grand scheme of things who actually care that much. But if you, if you had somebody who knew how to do PR, I, th- I think it'd be a very different story. I think uh, the media would be a lot kinder to him too. And the media would probably buy these reasons as well, which I think would be the same reasons, but yeah, I think it would make a very big difference. So much of what he says, so much of his explanations for what he does, even if there is a plan and like, maybe there is, or like maybe there's good reasons why they do stuff. As soon as it comes to articulating that vision to Canucks fans, it's just radio silence. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, there's nothing yeah. that resembles a plan for fans to sign on to other than just like, well, we drafted some good players and they're going to get older and it's like, okay, but what about <laughs> what else though? Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Cause like Edmonton has better good players than you have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, like do you want to be Edmonton or do you want to win? Yes. <laughs> also not too many people hear the GM. Even, even when he does a press conference, like it's mostly they're just hearing it through reporters. Um, there's true. us online. I think most of the fan base isn't watching this. They're just seeing that the team seems to like, are the Canucks good again? It might be in like a year or two. Cool. And then they just kind of go off on their way and then maybe watch, maybe watch the games. But like, yeah, Benning uh, has successfully been hidden uh, by the team to some extent. Uh I Absolutely. think and I mean, probably Wisebrod wants that successfully in a PR sense, rebuilt the team because is the team good right now? No, but are they exciting to watch? Sort of. They're mm-hmm. better than they were in 2017 mm-hmm. and they'll be good in two years. Okay. Rebuild. Like if you're just like an average person, rebuild accomplished. Like people aren't like, nobody's looking at cap geek who actually want who, who is just like a passive viewer of the game. Like nobody, very few people, uh, relatively know that there's a ticking time bomb for the team that has arguably already blown up uh, or is about to blow up at least. Oh this yeah. Year. yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Like nobody pays attention to that. But, like, why would you like, if you're just a casual hockey fan, why would you obviously? Yes. Um, hence we run into a lot of people who get mad when we criticize the team. It's like, okay. Part of that makes sense. 
when it's the people who actually pay attention who are saying that, then we're like, okay, come on. You really believe that? Um, uh, some other important observations here from, from the press conference. Uh, one thing that really stuck out to me that sort of gets back to what I was saying before about how, like, it doesn't seem like Jim Benning tries. That That's a weird, that's a really weird thing to say about a GM, right? Like, do you get the impression from watching the team, from watching what they do, from how Jim Benning talks, that Jim, Jim Benning works really, really hard at being a GM? And I, I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm just saying, like, he's very bad at giving that impression because when asked about things like, what are you going to do about the trade deadline? What are you going to do about these contract extensions? What are you going to do about this? All of his answers were kind of like, we'll see, we'll see where we're at. We'll take it bit yeah. by day. He got asked about um, the trade deadline and whether or not it was going to be harder. And he was like, oh, I don't really know. We'll see. I expect we'll get calls on our players and, and see how it goes. And it's like, you should be figuring this out now. Yeah. Like you don't wait. And if you wait and see how it goes, well, everybody else is going to have a plan by the time you roll around. Right. Yeah. Like to me, if I was a GM, a big part of my job would be like gaming out every possible scenario. You know, one of our, um, one of our listeners, like, uh, mentioned recently when we were sort of talking about like Gillis versus Benning stuff, you also have to just accept that like maybe Benning just lies and, you know, fair enough. Cause like, yeah, GMs do have to do that. But when someone asks you if you're interested in training for PK Subban, you have to say no. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing is that like, well, first of all, we've actually seen that like, he's very bad at lying. So it's usually, quite obvious when he's lying there's a there's a reason why a lot of general managers are lawyers and (laughs) it's to avoid shit like this honestly it's like one of the big perks you get you know you have somebody who knows how to talk to the media and at least not know how to show your own ass and speaking to your point jackson like one of the things that i find quite frustrating with benning that makes me think that he doesn't work that hard is that he just targets guys with big names like myers was a big deal when he was a rookie and a sophomore and then people still act like he's a big deal. And it's like, well, he was good when he was young, but he never really lived up to that promise. Or like Brandon Sutter is just a Sutter. He runs the team like a, like a guy who calls in to the post game show would run. Which I think is exactly why people like him. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's that's literally the reason why, why, why he gets so much support from a lot of people, I think is just because like he runs Mm -hmm. the team, how, how they would. And, it's that recurring theme of going after a big name is so ubiquitous now after like seven years of this guy that I, that I have to think it's on purpose. Um, And I think I've, I've, I've maybe even laid this out definitely to you guys privately and maybe even even on the show, but a part of me thinks that like, they actually go into team meetings and think like, okay, we've got a slot free let's bring in a guy that will put asses in seats because people have heard of him mm-hmm. and and it seems yeah. like so well, they don't much even of, need to say that because they actually believe it yeah and like so much of um so much of player acquisition for this team to me seems like it's like okay well like we got this roster spot to fill 
if we're gonna be bad, let's be bad with a guy random people have heard of. So like yeah. Eric Branson, Travis Hamanick, Tyler Myers, like it's just like, well, people have heard of him. Or like the Lucic wild goose chase. Yeah, exactly. Like it it and and that brings me, I guess, to what I thought was like the most significant um news thing in this presser that didn't get a ton of attention, which is that Jim Benning said in the press conference that he talks to Francesco Aquilini every single day and that Francesco and him work on the vision for the team together. I think that's pretty significant. I don't believe it. I do. I, I, it's just something I don't believe I don't, for some reason. I, I don't think it I'm pretty that sure that often. they're doing vision boards together. I, <laughs> I believe it. I think that Francesco is running the team right now. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. I believe yeah. in that sense that that Jim is just saying okay at everything. And I you know, I don't want to get too into the weeds about this because it's all speculative or whatever, but like when you look at a lot of stuff that the Canucks have done, it just it reeks of um interfering ownership. Specifically the chasing big names constantly at the expense of the team actual like the actual team quality Mm -hmm. and that that is where like ultimately jim benning gets the blame because it's like well if you're gonna be the fall guy for the owner then you're the fall guy for the owner so you signed up to take shit for his mistakes so i don't feel bad but that's where like i do have some like a small degree of um empathy for him is that like i do wonder sometimes like how much of this is actually his vision and how much of it is just like, well, I'm just trying to keep my boss happy, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, it helps you keep, keep, uh, stay competitive for another job later on. I mean, that depends though, because if he takes too much of the blame for what has transpired, like, you know, he's the guy who's drafted at the top and it's been seven years. He has one playoff appearance to show for it because mm-hmm. I don't think anyone puts that much credence in 2015. Yeah. 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 And like you agreed to sign up for this, and well, you just look pretty bad right now. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, I was I think I was talking about it with Clarissa on Twitter. Like, have you guys read Frank, uh, Frank's tweets? Like, I know you have, but like, really thought about them. I, I there's one reading of it that is like, oh yeah, if you're the billionaire owner of a team, you're gonna tweet like the PR account, but like with a little bit of personal touch. I actually think he is like it really is what goes on in his head. What he tweets like great game boys. Like hope he can do it again. Like he, he really is. I don't know how to, there, there's a, there's a vibe to it where he is so sincere in his belief about the team. And I think he does. He is the one who sincerely, sincerely is, is like, you know, who would look great? Milan Lucic. Let me call up Jim. And that's just yeah. how the day goes. No, I, I um, buy, I buy that a hundred. And he, and I don't think, and also like, I mean him, like any fan, doesn't pay attention to players in on other teams unless they're the players who show up in the highlights when they when they destroy the Canucks. These are the only guys they've heard of. The guys, the list of guys that they've heard of is small, uh, and there's a reason that it keeps coming up with Erica Branson, yeah. uh, Milan Lucic, uh, <laughs> on and on. So, final thing to to get at here with regards to the press conference is just the contract situation which was addressed multiple times and sort of also how it relates to the trade deadline because 
you know, Jim got asked about the trade deadline and was basically like, well, we'll wait and see. And then he got asked about the contract situation with Pedersen and Hughes. And he was like, well, we'll wait until after the deadline, which is funny because it's like, well, you're not doing any work on the deadline. So why not? <laughs> why not just immediately pivot to contracts? Um, but then very weirdly, the topic of Tanner Pearson got brought up and kind of unprompted Benning talked about uh, like possibly re-signing him. <laughs> so it, like the the priorities are so out of whack and we're, we're so far into like the, the season and into Jim Benning's tenure now that it can be kind of hard to separate spin from, from fact or whatever, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. separate just what's a thing that you say to, to like obfuscate what you're actually trying to do and what's real or whatever, particularly because as I mentioned before, like Jim's kind of a bad liar, but also like often just doesn't seem like he's a very good communicator. So sometimes it's hard to tell, if he's just lying and he's bad at lying or if he is telling the truth and what he thinks is just very stupid. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it seems bad. That's all I'm going to say that uh, that, you know, immediately, like literally immediately the next question after Thomas Drance asks you about the infamous we ran out of time quote that came from the Coos article. It seems like a bad sign when someone asks you about that quote and then they ask you about something else, in this case, the Hughes and Pedersen uh, contracts. And the first thing out of your mouth is, well, we have time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch that. Awesome. It's honestly reaching a point where I'm, I'm like, so tired of even talking about this stuff. Me too. I was about to say the same thing because it feels like a lot of our takeaways are the same takeaways as they've been for yeah, uh, well, seven years. Yeah. And it's just going to continue to be this. And the team's going to be good in two years. So we have two more years of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like it's just going to continue to be this until either there's a new GM or this GM like finally gets it together in some way and like i mean in my opinion like accidentally falls ass backwards into a semi-competitive team but like i was looking at it today and at the end of this season i believe may 23rd jim benning will have been the general manager for seven years i know people point to the draft record and this organization was really bad at drafting for a long time um, and they're not as bad at it now. They're actually like, I would say they're average at drafting, but like going from bad to average is an accomplishment and it is something you can hang your hat on. And like you, I don't want to get into speculating on like who's responsible for what picks or whatever. Like Jim right. was the GM and when he inherited the team, they were bad at drafting and now they're better. He gets credit for that. That's fine. The GM's job isn't to be good at drafting though. Like the GM's job is to win and it's been seven years i don't think it takes seven years to turn a team around it really shouldn't as a comparison here world war ii lasted six years in a day <laughs> <laughs> so if uh if it takes six years to conduct a world war i think you could turn an nhl franchise around in seven years i don't think that's an unreasonable 
expectation. Well, you could back then, but I mean, as we've seen with Afghanistan, with the salary cap, <laughs> I don't know if this makes sense for me. But, you know, I, I was thinking about this the other day. And you know how people always compare not so much Benning, but like what people call like the Benning bros, which I hate. I, I fucking hate that term. Um, but it's what people call them. So I'll just use it. Uh, people compare them to like Trump people. But I was thinking about it and it's like seven years on a job. Haven't <laughs> yeah. really done anything, but everyone still loves you for some reason. I think Jim Betting might be more like Barack Obama than Donald mm-hmm. Trump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh my god. I, I actually I think, think about that. I actually think like if if you wanted to tease that out a little bit more, um uh, let me be clear. If you uh like your brand is center, you can keep them. I might have to do a whole episode on this topic. I, I actually think we should because the other thing I couldn't stop thinking about was Fuck. how <laughs> In terms of how people treat Jim Benning, Barack Obama. In terms of Jim Benning himself, Joe Biden. Joe Biden. A thousand percent. Yeah, we have been pushing the Dick Cheney thing too hard. I think it really is the other party. Oh, yeah. No, it really is. Like, I've realized this now. Like, you could have literally just replaced every answer in that Jim Benning press conference with, come on, man. (laughs) Like, literally, that that was his response to it. It's like, Jim. What are you going to do about the trade that night? Come on, man. <laughs> what are you going to do about the kids in cages? Come on, man. Come on, man. Uh, 100 yeah. days. Yeah. Wow, that's really good. I mean, I was just going to say that Vancouver, like I was thinking about things that Vancouver has figured out in seven years, and they shouldn't have figured this out, uh, but the Olympics, that they had 2003 to 2010 to figure that out, and they did. Yeah. Um, seven years. Motherfucker. That's it's crazy, man. Like, just think about all the things that have happened over that time. Like when I when Jim Benning got hired, I was living in my first apartment with not my first apartment, but my first apartment with Rachel. And now we're getting married. Like, that's how that's how much time has 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 like passed there. We were like basically teenagers getting our first place. And now we're getting married like seven years I've 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 been through three or four different jobs. I've been all over the world. And like you look at other people like when when Jim Benning got hired, most of the Canucks army like slate of of um, of like front office hires and media people were still bloggers. When Jim Benning was hired, David Quadrelli wasn't even born yet. I was just trying to come up with a joke. <laughs> About quads. I was trying to think of like an event that he could have been conceived at that was like central to the Canucks history. Anyways, I don't want to spend any more time on it because Vias, you I had a have, very great idea for a segment. That... I have a few segments. Yeah, actually roughly 30 segments. Yeah, I've, I, I've, uh, Jackson won't let me do them on other episodes. I wanted to spread them out, but he decided, uh, nope, <laughs> nope. Don't want to hear from you. Shut up. Get out of my office. Shut up. Shut up. Uh, I don't want to play ball with you. Jackson's my dad in this situation. I don't know. Anyways, um, Jackson, you're the one who's going to be asking these questions, right? Yes, I am. Okay. So it's called, uh, taking a little idea from a show called Roxy Fever is, uh, is, are, are the, a blank blanks or in some, some teams are singular, uh, uh, Colorado, you're, you're Colorado Avalanche. Well, no, that would be plural. Okay. <laughs> the way I would say that anyways, uh, <clears throat> is X good. <laughs> this, is, this is one of the, is this segue good? <laughs> I don't think it is. So Jackson, how about you? 
For those of you that have been listening to Roxy Fever for a while, you may remember our famous Are the Canucks Good segment. You may be about to be released from the institution that you've been. Yeah. Um, and for some reason, Vyas thought it would be a good idea if we did this. I hate it when you introduce every one of my ideas as for some reason Vyas had this idea. Um, for some reason, Vyas thought it'd be a good idea to go to law school. For some reason. Uh-oh. Yeah, for some reason, Vyas thought it would be a good idea for us to do this for the other 31 NHL or the other 30 NHL teams. And since we haven't really talked much about the U.S. at all, and I think actually it's safe to say that we can just leave the North Division. Uh, we, yeah. We'll set that We're aside because we've, we've talked yeah. about that oh, yeah. uh, quite a lot. I am just As if trying I know to... how good they are. Can even, you... But still. Can, oh, I want to say uh, 31 other teams because the Kraken are good. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, so thank in. you. Thank you for sending this to me, Vias, because I didn't want to just go by standings because that would have been uh <laughs> defeat the purpose. Yeah, See, exactly. None of us are paying any attention. Everybody's had a take on this. How nobody's paying do attention to the states. A quick but... rapid fire is blank good for the other three divisions in the NHL. Uh you will be I will ask and each of you will be allowed to give a brief yes or no and like one sentence worth of like a couple sentences worth of why um like a quick argument for why or why not okay. and i will add that um none of us have looked at the standings and i would guess that neither of you have like any idea really how any team is doing <laughs> are the anaheim ducks good uh not right now they have some good young players, but Corey Perry and Ryan Getzlaff are old and dying, so they're not good right now. <laughs> uh, good answer. I forgot if they're the team with Ben Hutton on it. Um, I think I f- they should be in rebuild, but uh, I think they're I think they're bad. Uh, fuck, who's on that team? Okay, they're bad. They're bad. Okay, they're bad. perfect. Okay. Right. Are the Arizona Coyotes good? <laughs> okay, I saw them beat the Avalanche yesterday. Uh, Avalanche shot like forty five shots uh uh coyotes like 13 and they won the game i think they're doing well i i really think the owner's efficiency uh their wall street mindset is really doing good things for the team i also would like to say that their twitter uh bio uh or their their tagline is skate hard have fun i think they're great i really like the kachina jerseys <laughs> yeah so that's a yes from both of you that's a yes from both of us all right yeah yeah uh are the colorado avalanche good Yes, but I actually know that. So <laughs> I don't know that. Um, but I think that they're in too weak of a division. Like, oh, wait, they might not be because I don't know how good the rest of the teams are. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. <laughs> okay. Definitely revise that opinion. Oh, I think they're, I think they're still in spite of all that good, unless somebody is going to tell me that somebody got injured, but you're not going to tell me that. No, Fuck you. Fair. Yeah. Are the, are the Los Angeles Kings good? So they're sort of the opposite of Anaheim. They're supposed to be bad, but they have a ton of really good young players like Ben Hutton, and they're actually overperforming right now. They're overperforming. Okay, I was all I was just going to base this all on uh, on Ben Hutton, and also I was also going to base it on the fact that like everybody clowned on Drew Doughty last year, and everybody in Canucks world tried to make it a whole thing about how they how LA sucks now. Every time Canucks Twitter tries to make something happen, the opposite happens. Uh, so LA is great. Okay. Uh, are the Minnesota Wild good? I've heard of one of their players, Kirill Kaprizov, and yes. he seems good. And all you need is one rookie to be good, right? So they're good. Yeah. Okay. That's a good answer. Sure. I have no idea. Minnesota does not exist to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're in the wild. Like, you know, you don't really get to 
God yeah, damn it. Yeah. Are the San Jose Sharks good? No, all their players are dying. All the players are dying or, or they're in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I haven't, gone to the, I haven't gone to the episode of Vikings yet with Brent Burns in it. <laughs> okay. Uh, are the St. Louis Blues good? They all have long COVID, so no. Jordan Bennington's back to being a normal goalie, so they're not good. All right. Uh, are the Vegas Golden Knights good? Yes. Uh, yes. However, once the Canucks finally uh, retire 40 more jerseys and throw them around the rink the way that they have them now, I think genuinely, so we we're 3-0 with the jerseys now closer to the ice, so people like see the retired numbers. I think if we finally retire all the numbers that we should, uh, then then when like fucking Max Patch ready uh, uh, tries to score another like hat trick on us in the in the in the third round of the playoffs that we're gonna make this year, he's gonna like see Martin Marty Ruchinski's number twenty six and just be like Whoa! and then trip and then uh, Oli Ulevi is gonna score. Um, anyway, Vegas uh, Vegas good unless haha. Anyways, <laughs> wow, that was that that was surprisingly thought out. What about you, Elliot? Yeah. Uh, no, did you see the reverse retro jerseys? Garbage. Oh, okay. God. Oh, wait, wait, but hold on. Counterpoint. I've seen their helmets. Also garbage. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, really, really impressed with how quickly we uh, moved through that first division. We're, uh, we're already a third of the way through. So on to the central. Are the Carolina Hurricanes good? You guys are taking too long. The correct answer is the Carolina Hurricanes are always the best team in the league. <laughs> I'm going to say no because I haven't heard. Uh, I haven't seen people yell Nino Niederreiter on Twitter as much. And also, I, I don't know if he's good because them. Sarah Sivia managed to stop drinking so much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, are the Chicago Blackhawks good? No, because they still have Patrick Kane on their team. <sighs> Morally, no. Uh, I think somehow they're probably good. I, I assume Austin Debrinket or something is fine now. I don't know. <laughs> they, 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 they figure it out. Look, as soon as... Yeah, anyways. Okay, are the Columbus Blue Jackets good? Yes, because torts. No, because our uh, Columbus Blue Jackets correspondent is very depressed about her team. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> are the Dallas Stars good? This is frankly a question that I was asking myself all year last year. Ooh. I, I I assume they're no. bad because after they made it to the finals, everyone got COVID also and is injured. Yeah, there's the COVID thing. And then there's also the stupid uh, lot, or anthem thing. And then since then, they've gone like five and L or open five, yes. which is the bad one. I have to say, honestly, now that we're halfway through these teams, um, just having a segment where we have Vias guess things is uh, really <laughs> funny, and we should do it more often. Um, are the Detroit Red Wings good? They're the opposite of Chicago. They are morally good because they have Troy Stetcher, but they're very bad in the standings. Um, I'm going to assume that they're good in the standings because of Troy Stetcher, because I saw some stats saying that the Stetcher uh, defensive pair is doing great. And uh, also, uh, I hope his dog is doing well. Fair. Uh, are the Florida Panthers good? I think they're good. I've heard, I've smelled this before. I think they're good. I, well, Luongo's AGM. Who's that? Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to chalk it up to that. Fair. I think when you're paid $3 million just as a base salary already, I think you perform. And, uh, <laughs> you know, somebody hands me three million bucks. Uh, I'll do a good job too, probably. Uh, yeah. I think Florida's good too because they have Luongo. I, I think I just said about this. Fair okay. enough. Are the Nashville Predators good? 
Ooh, they they get their power from the yellow jerseys in the stands. I don't think they're good. It's a pandemic, but they might have a late season push because of uh, how because of it's it's uh, USA evil. Okay, fair. <laughs> I don't think they're good. Um, I think they've managed to do a few too many clever three way trades and just screw themselves over. Are the Tampa Bay Lightning good? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are the okay on to the East Division. <laughs> Are the Boston Bruins good? Unfortunately. I have no context. I think this year they might be bad, but the only reason I think they might be good is because every game I've seen them, they play Philly, and Philly has had, well, I'll have answers for that later. <laughs> Are the Buffalo Sabres good? Yes, which is why they're trying to trade Jack Eichel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, any team that can afford to trade Jack Eichel must be pretty good, right? Yeah, Taylor Hall only tripped because he didn't he didn't want to score another like uh, breakaway goal to just embarrass the opponent. Fair, but that's why it looked so on purpose. Are the New Jersey Devils good? You know, out of respect for my boy Benjamin, um, I I think they are. Uh, I is Corey Schneider their goalie? If no, then <laughs> one, yes. One day, at one point he was. I don't know what he's doing these days. Um, I think New Jersey got better when they got rid of Taylor Hall, mostly because I just learned that now. are the new york islanders good yes they should they shouldn't be good because they've lost all their good players but uh i think jake flores is really leading that team to victory (laughs) i think i think the new york islanders uh uh really show that you can get rid of your best player and still be really good and that is why the vancouver canucks should trade elise Pettersson. that's uh that's such a good deep cut elliot i'm so impressed by that i just wanted to I, I feel like I I'm maybe the only person in the world who would get oh, that yeah. joke. And I thought oh, it was yeah. very funny. Are the New York <laughs> Rangers good? Not since they waved Tony D. I, all I know is Lafreniere has not had a breakout season, so I'm going to assume that they're really bad. Are the Philadelphia Flyers good? They're sick. They're not good or bad. I think they're just. I think. I think they just need some soup. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just the usual Flyers thing where they're just both good and bad. The synthesis. They're, that's dialectics, yeah, baby. They're dialectics. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> that's how dialectics works, right? Okay. Um, I still don't know how dialectics work. <laughs> okay. Are the Pittsburgh Penguins good? No su- critical support for Namina Nandakumar. No. I, I I think it must be <clears throat> like the full Jake, Jake, uh, Jake Verkanman McCann. Jared, Jared McCann. Yeah. Jared McCann's on the, on the team, which means he's fucking everybody's wives, which means team morale, horribly low. The pens are suffering. What if that's why Jim Rutherford got fired? I don't know what the <laughs> causality here would be, but like something to do with Jake McCann. <laughs> Jared McCann. Jared McCann. <laughs> All right. And finally, are the Washington Capitals good? They would be good if the goddamn NHL protocols around uh, the elders of, sorry, I mean, the COVID uh, <laughs> weren't keeping, uh, weren't being so racist and preventing Russians from uh, practicing the religion of dudes being guys together, but in, but in Russian. Okay, fair. Uh, yeah, the Capitals are good because they, uh, I mean, they have Chara now. We all have no problem with Zidane Chara. No, absolutely not. I, I think one reason potentially why they might be bad is legit. I heard that Ovechkin has not scored an Ovechkin goal this year. Like, oh wow! From the from the from his <laughs> from his spot, he hasn't scored a, scored one of those this year. So yeah, that can't be good. That's really bad. Those were all really good guesses, guys. I'm I'm really impressed. Uh, 
And I'm what I'm really impressed by is how uh, tight and quick that segment was. So there is one last thing that I want to talk about. But before we get to it, we have a couple of voicemails in our inbox and we meant to get to them a really long time ago and didn't. So I apologize for that. I want to get better at at uh, answering those voicemails in a timely manner. But uh, honestly, part of it is just that we get so few. So um, listeners, come on, start fucking calling the phone line. We, we, we made the phone line so that we could hear from you. There's one less radio station in the city that will let you phone them now. We want, we want your voice to be heard. So please give us a call um, at 778-819-1451. I Clarissa at Quinn's Edge work on Twitter. Um, I don't want to be perceived, but um, <laughs> which Canuck player would have the most entertaining meltdown and why? I know a lot of people are going to say JT Miller. Ah, but, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe a Quinn Hughes breakdown. That'd be very good for the meme. Thank you. Don't perceive me. <laughs> uh, I Big love thanks to Clarissa for that. She's one of my favorite Twitter followers. Quinn's Edgework, likewise, yeah. one of my favorite yeah. accounts. Uh, just really a sweet person and turns out incredible content is like carrying the whole city on their back. Um, ooh. I was going to counterpoint to the Quinn thing. Like he is, he's already having his mental breakdown every time he tries to clear the puck. Uh, like you can, you can obviously see it on his face. Uh, and yeah, JT Miller was going to be my answer, but wait, hold on. I need to pull up what the roster looks like right now. Um, Steve McCarthy. Oh, wrong, wrong year. <laughs> Just a little joke. <laughs> so <laughs> Tyler Myers would be the most dangerous because it'd be like a bull in the China, in a, in a China shop. Um, he'd break everything, um, even from just like a like a minor migraine situation going on. Uh, Nate Schmidt, uh, cocaine Sammy Nate Schmidt would be like very would be a very weird situation, and no one would know how to react. Somebody somebody hid his McFlurry or something. So there's that. Jake Pertamin's probably gone through enough therapy to keep down the Raiders. Um, uh, there's enough Earls in in Langley that have. Uh, uh, that have seen his wrath that he's probably taken it out on them already enough. Um, so he's probably not going to have any meltdowns coming soon. Okay. My answer for this is Neil Soglander, obviously. That easily would yeah. be the funniest player to watch out. Okay. Yeah. Cause he's really yeah. tiny. Um, and it's always funny. To watch would be really really small funny people. Yeah. It's there. There's two types of like, there's two types of way you can, ways you can approach this. You can either go with, it, who would be funniest physically to watch? Yeah, Martin, yeah, and yeah. and who would be th- for whom would it be like the most out of character? And so it would be like so. There are a few guys where it's like like I feel like it would be really funny to watch Alex Edler get. Mad. I was I was about to say um, <laughs> Alex yeah, but um, just all the pent up energy from having to deal with kids all his life. I'm here with Brock Besser just because it would be so incredibly out of character. Fair, okay. So as our final note of business. I was, and it's the only reason I know this, but um, I was checking my email and I got a little notification from SoundCloud that I had been billed for another uh, 12 months of, uh, of hosting fees for the podcast. So um, we, I think about a week and a half ago, uh, technically, hit our two-year anniversary on the show. 
And uh, I don't want to spend a ton of time on it because I figure we can do more sort of navel gazing when we hit 100 episodes, which is going to happen at, at this rate, not even that far in the future. Uh, but um, though it might not seem like it today because I've been off on another planet, I've really, really enjoyed doing this show. It's been a huge part of my life improving. And um, when I started it, I really didn't think there was going to be any kind of audience for it at all. And I've been tremendously, I guess, just heartened by not so much like the fact that people like our show, which is sort of beside the point to me, but just that like there are other hockey fans out there like me. And it's really, really, really been nice to get in touch with them and hear from them and make content for them. And on a related note, um, this show has also particularly for the past year. Yeah. Really encompassed my, almost the entirety of my social life (laughs) um, through this pandemic. And I mean, people say often that uh, podcasts are like friendship simulators and that that's the real, like, the real reason why people listen to them. And I will say that um, if that's the case, then we have succeeded because really what people have heard people, the people who were with us from day one, uh, what they've really heard more so than any kind of analysis about hockey or politics or the intersection between those two things or stupid memes or weird uh roster minutiae from specifically the year 2002 is uh the process of the three of us becoming very very good friends and uh it's just been a real joy to share that with everybody so i wanted to uh make a note of it even though um it's not really maybe the kind of anniversary that you normally celebrate i wasn't expecting to necessarily make it two years when i started it and um I'm really glad we have. Yeah, I just really want to echo what you said about this past year with the pandemic. Um, the isolation has not been easy on anyone, but I think the show has really, really helped me get through that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I am too afraid to go back and listen to like that first episode. Not our first episode, but the first episode when the pandemic started. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, and I am assuming there's some grim stuff in there, but uh, speaking to the last year, it's been... I, I'm trying to think like... Outside of moments when I've had class uh, and whatnot, this has probably been the most constant routine I've had since the beginning of the pandemic, where guaranteed every week, week and a half, uh, wait, let's not get into an issue of how this still gets scheduled. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Oops. Um, <clears throat> um, y- y- you know, <laughs> I get to, I get to, I kind of want to seg into, I mean, within my answer is, uh, I, through this show, I never expected to have this kind of outlet where I'm like more publicly talking about something I don't know too well, which is the Canucks. uh, (laughs) And also not preparing in a way where I am, it's not part of my career uh, as I planned it. It's not me talking on a panel. It's not me uh, doing a workshop with people and the work that I tend to do. Uh, Like, I just get to shoot the shit and it's so weird for other people to hear me do it uh, or f- for me to know that other people get to hear me do it. I was telling somebody the other day, like this show, 
I don't put all of me into it in terms of like all the different parts of my personality into it, but it is the, it is the biggest repository for most parts of my personality. Like I get to be angry. I get to be political. I get to be hopeful. Uh, I get to try to be funny. I get to laugh uh, so much with you guys. And uh, like, I, yeah, I get to be both funny and political on this one. And, and just, I, have never had an outlet like that before. It's a very interesting outlet and I'm extremely grateful for it. Like it was, it, I'm, I mean, you've told the story many times, you guys have told the story many times about how I came on the show, but like for me, uh, that was around the time where I was like just starting to get taken seriously just in my regular life. And then (laughs) to also be like, and then you decided that that was enough of that. (laughs) Yeah. I gotta, I gotta just uh, set a match right then. (laughs) I was like, this has got to go. But uh, leading up to that, I mean, like, I really like sports media. And <laughs> this sounds like a joke, but like, guys like J.D. Burke. I thought I put them up on a pedestal before. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, these impressive people who call in on TSN and write these articles. And and literally, I'm going to go play Warzone with him in, like, 10 minutes. And, like, I get, to, I get to shoot the shit with you guys. It's been really nice to be included in the community. And... Yeah, echoing everything you guys have said, and this has been a has been an excellent constant through the pandemic. And yeah, two years. I didn't expect it either, but uh, very grateful for it. And I hope, I hope two years in a row that it uh, potentially gets me another law job. Please. <laughs> All <laughs> oh, right. <God. laughs> well, on that note, um, no hate mail this week. I just want to say thanks to everybody for um, listening to to us for the past for some of you two years um it really means a lot to me and um yeah instead of hate mail i will just please uh request all of you to uh watch my appearance on southpaw sports uh it was very very quick but i was on there uh earlier in the week debating with adam whether or not john tortorella is an asshole uh i was of course arguing that he is in fact not um, and, uh, it was a lot of fun and you should definitely subscribe to me and Stevie and watch a shit ton of, uh, Southpaws because it's fucking awesome. Uh, it's a fucking basically worker owned Netflix. How mm-hmm. can you not love that? And in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Felson McDonald. You can follow me on Twitter at VSRN and I'll be very quick with this. The other thing I was going to say, yeah. the feedback from listeners who are ostensibly not very political people who tell me they've learned a lot from the show. Holy fuck. Mm. Amazing. I like that has really fired us up anytime we've got that feedback. I really appreciate that. Uh, that's been a great part of the show. Anyways, at the Astronaut. You can follow me at Moose Kayak. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Here's to another two years. Down.
Standing round, I said, hey, get off your ass and we'll go get to see. Give a chance on.